Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with the lovely Lisa Woodruff. She is a registered dietitian who's from Iowa, which is very exciting, who initially was a journalism major, but changed to nutrition and kinesiology. So she has a little passion for writing, just setting the tone. She initially struggled to find full-time work out of her internship, but then found herself in a clinical and employee corporate wellness position. After the pandemic, a move to a new city and three kids at home led to her deciding she was going to start her own business. But the focus of her business quickly changed as her youngest son developed a food allergy. Please enjoy my conversation with Lisa. very honored to be speaking to another fellow author today that um, <laughs> is so fun because I love people that take chance and write a book because I know it's not the easiest thing in the world but I'm also very excited because mm-hmm. you are also a former Iowa dietitian now living in Nebraska correct mm-hmm. yes yes mm-hmm. yes And then now you're just kind of starting this whole, I think, a new business. So I'm excited to learn about all the things you're doing and also maybe starting back how you got started with all of this. So when did you become a dietitian and why did you become a dietitian? Maybe take me back to that part. Okay. Um, That's a good question because I was like, wanted nothing to do with science or related to medicine growing up. Um, I actually wanted to be an, an author. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, so I think like second grade, third grade, I kind of latched on to that. And it's. Um, and then in high school, I started getting into journalism. And so I kind of switched more in that direction. Um, I was on the school paper. And then my senior year, I was the editor in chief or co-editor in chief. And then when I was looking, like I was looking for journalism programs, <laughs> again, interesting. Was like, yeah, nowhere in the picture whatsoever. Um, like looked at a bunch of small schools in Iowa, looking again at the journalism programs, and ultimately, I just I didn't want to go to a school smaller than my high school because <laughs> I felt like my high school was too small. <laughs> Yeah, I hear um, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then both my parents had gone to Iowa State. So I just like, I just applied there. Like they had a, their Greenlee School of Journalism was, was reputable. And so I don't even think I toured until halfway through my senior year. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how I got to Iowa State. Um, my first year spent doing journalism courses, gen eds, all that stuff. Um, like the intro nutrition just as a gen ed. So that was kind of a little bit more exposure into, um, but the final um, like prerequisite to apply to get into the, the journalism school. And we were basically like writing a, a newspaper article every week. And I just was not that into it. And then the next class I was supposed to take, it was two articles a week. I was like, Oh, oh man. I was like, well, how 
career <laughs> if I can't do this for <laughs> true that's true that's valid <laughs> so then um you know just taking the nutrition class and um, I had been really involved in different sports in high school so that kind of got me switched over into the diet and exercise program at Iowa State um which was like the five-year combined bachelor's and master's um, but I started doing that I really enjoyed it um, but then I was not ready to start taking graduate classes my junior year. That's a lot. <laughs> and I was really involved in like different activities on campus and in my sorority. And I just, I already felt like I was spread too thin. So I switched to a double, um, double degree in dietetics and then exercise science. And so that's kind of how I got to where I was at. Wow. So you had a very indirect kind of schooling way to dietetics. Yes. Definitely in the right place, though. Like some forces were got me to Iowa State where I needed to be to be in that dietetics program. Well, that's, I mean, that's always good. Like, I'm sure at the time you're like, what am I doing? But then, <laughs> but then it all worked out the way it should, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you never felt like you didn't ever feel like journalism, you didn't miss it at that point. You felt like, yes, I should be a dietitian. I'm on the right track. Right, right. And I think before I officially changed majors, I was leaning towards, well, I'll go the journalism route, but then I'll like do some like health or fitness or writing in that direction. And then I kind of got thinking, well, I could s- still do that without going through the whole journalism program. And, and so it just kind of morphed that way. Obviously, it's worked out for you very well. (laughs) So out of school, did you do your internship with Iowa State then as well? No, I did not. So because of my two degrees, I had to do a summer um, kinesiology internship. And so that like really threw me off with timing for when I could start those um, like the the fall intern internship placements. Yes. Um. (laughs) I had like a whole backup plan and everything I was going to do this cardiac rehab internship and I was going to work in cardiac rehab and that was just going to be my career path but I fortunately did get an internship at OSF St. Francis in Peoria oh I've heard that's a great internship program it was it was um so it's it's longer it it was a full year program but the last 20 weeks it was emphasis so like we got to choose what areas we wanted to get more experience in and um we had to do some uh, staff relief depending on like what the dietitian vacation requests were and all that stuff but I mean it was it was a great experience so after internship, and you did a kinesiology internship too. Jeez, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> double double dose of internships. Did you get paid for kinesiology though? Um, no, not really. But so, <laughs> dang it. I, it, I know. Well, I did it at the YWCA that I had worked at for a few summers, and so they were able to get me on like the, like the lifeguarding schedule. And there are some other things that I was able to get paid for. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. So they worked with me to help with that. Well, that's good. At least you got paid for a little something, right? <laughs> yeah. Some of my time. Yeah. <laughs> 
So after your dietetics internship, how, what was kind of the first career step for you? Okay. Um, so that was a good question. So I finished my internship in 2011, which was just like a horrible time to find jobs as an entry-level dietitian. Um, I remember like there would be WIC job postings, but it was like conditional employment. They could only guarantee a few months um, like mm. of a job. So it was, it was very difficult finding jobs. And I actually took a part-time um, dietitian position at a county hospital in like North Central Iowa. So, I mean, it was a little bit of everything, um, but it was like an hour commute for me. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. Why was yeah. it such a bad time? You know, I just, I think, I can't remember. I wish I remember, could remember what was going on, but I just remember it was just, it was really, and it wasn't me. It was all of us. There were 10 of us in my program and everyone was really strong. Oh, that's such a bummer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So part time, rural, mm-hmm. kind of a rural setting, rural kind of hospital where you were like to all the hats. Yes. Yeah. Inpatient, outpatient, nursing home, uh, diabetes education, employee wellness. Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. And you were part time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how long did that last for you then? Um, I was there for six months. There was a job, a clinical job that opened up in the town that I was living in, which my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, that's where he was at. And so, oh, good. Um, yeah, that was a, a big, <laughs> a big pull to, you know, not have to do the commuting and all that. And um, I ended up staying there for eight years. So it was a good decision. It was a good that. choice. Yeah, yeah. So clinical. So you kind of were in clinical, clinical then most of the most of your career before now. Um, so no. I started off at the hospital in clinical. I did that for three years, um, and then there was an opportunity. So I did clinical on inpatient rehab, rehab or yeah, inpatient rehab and the cardiac floor. Those were my main areas. Uh, but then they started an employee wellness program, and I was able to get involved a little bit with some classes. Um, and then there was an opportunity my fourth year there to do um, to like work one day a week in employee wellness. And so then I did that, and then four days a week as a clinical dietitian. Ooh, I like that balance. That's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a really good experience, and I was. Um, I liked the clinical. It was not something I thought I would like at the end of my internship. So I was very thankful that I had that opportunity because I, it, I figured it out and I learned how to find stuff um, to challenge myself and, and to really understand it. Um, but I was just kind of getting burnt out. It wasn't a, a super large hospital. So, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say you learned all that you could learn in that area, but it's, I just felt like I wasn't getting much um, like job fulfillment at sure. that point. Probably so the same thing all the time. Probably you were just seeing the same yes. types of patients. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And a lot of what I did was doing um, heart healthy educations to uh, patients who had had like stents or um, bypass, all that stuff. And it's just, it was really hard after seeing people, you know, three, four times. Right. You're like, when is this going to click? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it just felt like there was the opportunity to really make a difference in someone's life was few and far between um, in in that setting. So which mm -hmm. makes sense. I think a lot of people kind of go through that with the clinical Mm -hmm. experience. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was really excited to do more with employee wellness because at least with that, you know, people had to take the stuff to show up. It's not like you're just walking into someone's room and <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you have to listen to me. <laughs> We've got to talk about your sodium. Come on. Right. Right. <laughs> so that was good. And then um, I was on maternity leave with my first and there was an opportunity. The hospital was creating a corporate wellness position um, to basically do similar things with what we were doing with the hospital employees with other businesses in the area. So um, I actually, I accept, I applied and accepted that job and I came back from maternity leave to that brand new position. So that was a, an adventure as well. Ooh. So tell me about, did you like that? I mean, obviously you like the employee wellness part of it. So how did you, so you did that full time, I'm assuming for the corporate. It was a part-time position and it was, it was one of those where it was part-time, but the idea was as business grew, the position would also grow as well. Um, Cause that was the goal. It was, it was kind of like a business based, um, you know, um, obviously the more businesses you're working with, the more income and the sure. more you can justify a salary. So um, that was a big reason why I took it because it was part-time and it was flexible scheduling. Mm-hmm. So I could choose my hours. Yeah. And so my husband was working, um, he was a nurse. So he was doing the 12 hour shifts. And so we could kind of, with a little bit of help, um, you know, we were able to both stay at home with, with our son. And it, it was a really great balance as far as, Um, you know, getting the opportunity to be at home, but also staying at work. I think that's so important. Like, you know, when you do enter that next stage in your life of being a parent, that you can find Mm -hmm. that balance with your work and with your home life, because if you don't, then it doesn't work, right? Right, right. Yeah, so that was a really, it was a really good experience, um, because, you know, we don't get a lot of business training as dietitians. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a crash course in um, sales and business and navigating like that whole um, area. Um, but then also I was responsible for doing almost all of my own marketing as well as any education materials, utilizing the hospitals, their brand standards and all of their um, marketing guidelines. So that was also an interesting experience working with the marketing department, um, and then as well as like all the programming side of things. So you kind of got your business 101 class while you were working your job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which isn't a bad thing because then it just lends to you having the tools to eventually start your own business. Right. And like that was nowhere in my mind. But like in hindsight, I don't know if I would have had the courage to start my own business without that experience. That's so true. See, like, <laughs> even though people that might be listening, like, even if you're working in a job, like absorb all you can and learn all you can, because you never know, right? Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what kind of transitioned you then from that role into creating your current <laughs> your current CEO job that you have? <laughs> well, there is a lot of things that kind of happen simultaneously. <laughs> as they always do. Like it's never right. just a, it's not a straight shot. It's always like lots of different directions. Right, right. So um 
obviously business started picking up and it became a little bit more difficult to maintain that balance of um, like juggling the childcare schedule between my husband and I and um, like our moms would help on occasion and babysit. Like (laughs) it was a lot Um, and it was getting to the point where I was unable to handle the workload within a 20 hour week. And so it was, you know, something was going to have to change. Um, also going on the hospital terminated its own employee wellness position. So while I was the only one on the corporate wellness side of things, I had a, like a counterpart who was managing all the employee wellness stuff. And so we worked together and we came up with programming and we collaborated on things. And so that was, even though it didn't affect, technically affect my job, it, it really affected how I worked at my job. Um, with not having that person around. Um, and then a few months after that happened, the healthcare system I was working for, they had like a massive system wide downsizing of mid level managers. Oh, um, yeah. And so my manager, who was the director of the clinic I was in, that position was terminated. Um, and there was no clear direction as far as where like reporting would go like where my position would report to. Oh, um, Yes. So, <laughs> so you had no not, support. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and I had, um, I had some coworkers within the clinic who were very supportive, but they, it, it just, it wasn't from administ- from the administration and it just, it wasn't very clear. And I am not like a make a decision on the spur of the moment, but I just kind of had a, that day when my, my boss was let go, I just kind of panicked. <laughs> I applied to a, a PRN clinical position. Um, <laughs> I was like, cause I was convinced I was going to lose my job in the next you know month sure. or two, just with everything else that had been going on. And so a long story short, I ended up working um, PRN at a, another hospital doing clinical work. And then um, my position within corporate wellness, I negotiated going down to kind of as needed with that. And then they hired a another person to do the majority of like the scheduling and um, kind of be like the contact person for all of that. So I went to two PRN jobs. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. But wait, there's more. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lisa. <laughs> then the pandemic hit. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. And so my husband was was an ER nurse. Um, so he got switched to working nights. He got switched to, like, he got more days added because they were obviously increasing staffing. Um, my hours were cut except for, so the the clinical job that I was doing PRN for, I was scheduled for the weekend rotation, the, the weekend that like COVID started. <laughs> Surged, yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Oh, and I was seven months pregnant at the time. Do you just look back on this and go, holy moly, how did I get through all of this? You know, everything was just happening so fast. There was really, there's no time to like sit in the moment and think that, but yeah. Yeah. But, and you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like life was just like building me up. Just like more things keep getting stacked on and stacked on. And, you know, if you haven't acclimated to that new level of stress, then the next level of stress becomes just, you know, 
un, un, unfathomable. Right. Like you just can't handle it for right. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And so also during all of this, my husband had decided that he wanted to go back to, he was going to, he's applying to physical therapy school because he wanted to do a career change. And so we knew we were moving, um, but we weren't quite sure where exactly um, because he had been waitlisted a couple of places. Um, So that's how we ended up in Omaha. We moved two months after uh, my youngest was born to the Omaha area and he started physical therapy school. Wow. (laughs) I mean, that's one way to kind of just like, you know, start new. (laughs) Right. Right. Because I never, I never would have left my jobs because I'm that type of person. Like I never would have been the one to say, I want to do my own business. So I'm going to leave these jobs so I can designate time to doing this. So it, I really needed the rug pulled out from under me to get that pushed. <laughs> and that's good that you recognize that in yourself though. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. some of us, we want to do something, but we know we'll probably never do it unless mm-hmm. something gets shaken up and you had to do the shakeup. Otherwise, you know, you would have just stayed still. Right, right. And even though I did really enjoy my corporate wellness job, it was a great opportunity. I learned so much. I knew while I was doing it that that wasn't where I wanted to be forever. So I was kind of in this gray area of like, where do I go next? What do I do next professionally? So it helped having to, you know, confront that (laughs) head on. And that's hard. I'm sure that was hard for you, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did you come to the decision then that, you know, being an entrepreneur and starting your own business was going to, was appealing to you? Cause like right. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we moved, we had decided that I would take this extended maternity leave. Cause that was with my first two, that was, that was really hard for me. I was not ready to go back. I was fortunate to have 12 weeks leave, but I just was not in a mindset to be working until I got to six months. So I knew my husband and I both knew that with everything going on, with the ages our kids were, one, just the cost of childcare. Yeah, it's <laughs> was, insane. You know, right. <laughs> and then, you know, just my earning potential as a, as a dietitian, it, it, it just, oh, it wouldn't work out for what we yeah. wanted for our family life to be. So we took the, I did the extended maternity leave. Um, and obviously the pandemic kept going on. So we were, then that extended it a little bit more. Um, so during the pandemic, I needed something to like keep me connected professionally. So even though I wasn't ready to work, I also wasn't ready to be a stay at home mom to three little kids without any type of social support. Sure. Um, so that I think is why my business actually came to fruition is because I needed something to keep me connected to myself as a person um, outside of role of mom. Um, So in November of 2020, I filed the paperwork, but I had been, I had been thinking about this and planning this and, you know, going back and forth for almost, almost a year up until that point, but that's when it became official. And then the next month, my youngest had an allergic reaction to peanuts. <laughs> so oh my gosh. Of, yes, that kind of threw our world upside down. Definitely pushed back any type of traditional employment opportunity for me, um, just because we weren't ready to navigate that 
with everything else going on um, in the world at the time and in our lives. So, um, yeah, that was a big experience. And even though I had worked for so many years as a clinical dietitian, um, it's, it's, I was not ready <laughs> to be right. a food allergy parent. Like, no one is. You're never ready for that experience. Um, my husband being an ER nurse, he said, he said before, you're never ready when it's your own child. Like, everything goes out the window and it's a whole nother, it's, yeah, it's just a whole nother reality. So, um, that was not my intent when I started my business, uh, but it kind of, it, it consumed like all the continuing ed I was doing. I was trying to learn as much as possible to figure out how do I care for this child. I mean, you know how to read a label, but managing food allergies is way more than just looking at a food label. You're all these situations that you just don't know how to deal with until you're confronted with them and trying to figure out what to do. And um, finally, I just, I got to the point where if I'm struggling this much as a dietitian, like what are other parents going through and what help do they have? Cause I was looking for someone to help me and I struggled to find someone. Um, so that's kind of where it was like, this is, that was like my aha moment. This is what I need to do professionally. And that's kind of what, so that's funny, like how you were like, I'm going to do this business, but then, <laughs> you know, just life happens and then you totally steer a different direction. And right. I think it's funny that you say like, and that's true, like you're a dietitian and you know all the things you think, mm-hmm. but then when it comes to your own child, you're like, right. I don't know what to do. Like, right. how do I navigate this? And right. it's okay. It's okay to say that, but I'm sure it's also hard to say that as a nutrition professional. It is. And, it, but I have been fortunate because I, I've, I've had friends who are also dietitians and who are also food allergy moms who have that exact same experience. And once you, once you say it out loud to someone, especially to another dietitian, it's a lot more like, yes, like it is not me. It's not something I did wrong. It's just this is where we're at. This is a specialty that's not, you know, treated on the same level. Like, you know, we think of type one diabetes as being a specialty area for dietitians. And we learn about that as a specialty area. And, you know, that's just, that's how our profession is right now. Yeah, it's too bad. I think, I think you're right, though. It's like, we need, we need some of those kind of specialties, because those are the things that are they're also just as impactful to families Mm -hmm. and people as diabetes are. Right, right. And I'm on all the like the food allergy mom Facebook groups, like, partially because, you know, I use it as myself as a food allergy mom, but also partially it's great, like market research. (laughs) Sure. But yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking, because you'll see someone post about, well, should I see a dietitian? And then, you know, there's like 30, 40 comments about how like, no, a dietitian isn't any help. I saw a dietitian, and it wasn't worthwhile. And it just it breaks my heart, Mm. because it's like, you just didn't see the right type of dietitian that specializes in what you need. And so, yeah, that's an uphill battle convincing people that they need a dietitian for food allergies. They need you. They need Lisa Lisa Woodruff nutrition. That's who they need. (laughs) So we just have to get the word out. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So now that you've kind of specialized and you found this niche area, first of all, how's your kiddo? How is everything going? Right. So that's been just another just crazy experience. Um, So I said he had the peanut allergy 
Um, and then a month later, he had another reaction, which we weren't quite sure. It was either banana or avocado, or it could have been like a little bit of peanut butter residue on something. Um, and then another, the next month, he had a reaction to eggs, and he had been eating eggs like for three weeks up to that point, and then he just broke out in hives. And so mentally, I was at the place where like, I don't know what to feed my child. I, I don't know what to give him. He's going to eat something and it's going to kill him. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's that, that sounds dramatic, but like, it's, it's like a downward spiral in your head. Um, and so I called her pediatrician office and they got us a referral to an allergist. And we were so fortunate that we are where we are at. Um, we got connected with a board certified allergist who also specializes in pediatrics. And it's been just an amazing experience. Um, I think also a lot of people don't realize that it's important to have a good relationship with your medical provider. Like not every, not every medical provider is a great fit for every person because you have different personalities. Um, and our allergist is extremely laid back, which is what we need. <laughs> um, you know, it kind of like it, it nips my like anxiety in the bud and it, it just grounds me and I am a lot more practical and able to handle things. So that has been a huge blessing for us and it's helped us learn as parents. So we we're at just the eggs and the peanuts right now uh, for my son we have been doing um, like oral exposure to the tree nuts. We never, we didn't test for tree nuts because he hadn't had any. Um, so like that's another mental hurdle to get through is offering your child. Something right. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so we're very slowly working through those and knock on wood so far, everything we've tried, he's been able to eat safely. Um, Good. We did a challenge to baked eggs, which is a whole nother thing that I was new to. I had no exposure to that before. Um, so like a baked challenge, we brought in, we were given this recipe for muffins. And so we brought it into the office and then they started with like a tiny, tiny portion of that muffin. And then every 15 minutes they brought in more. So essentially upping the dose of that baked egg and we were able to pass. And so <laughs> we're kind Ooh. of working, working through eggs Um Again, I said my allergist is very kind of like laid back, so he doesn't do an egg ladder, which is a good fit for us. Everyone as parents has a different, you know, um, threshold for what you can handle as far as working through things like this. Um, so we were supposed to do a an egg challenge for my son um, because when we retested, it didn't have any his egg came back negative, but you know, a two-year-old who has never had scrambled eggs before yeah. is not going to eat them in an unfamiliar setting. It's very true. <laughs> so he got like maybe one crumb in his mouth that he swallowed and he had lots of ketchup that had been in, in contact with the eggs. So we were given the green light to continue that amount of egg. <laughs> Which, how do you quantify crumbs? Um, right. <laughs> but so we are slowly working through the egg allergy, and then we'll just be down to one allergy, which is a lot easier to navigate as a parent. Wow. That's yeah. just, I mean, again, like, I don't know anything about all of this. So that's why it's so awesome that someone like you is taking the time to learn as much as you can mm -hmm. so you can help other families so besides your own I mean like obviously you live this day in and day out with your own mm -hmm. family so then how do you help other families 
Right, right. So um, I should say before I became a food allergy mom myself, I had two, um, two friends that also became food allergy parents uh, maybe a year or two years before me. And they reached out to me as a dietitian for help. And at that time, I like, I knew I didn't know much, but I was like, I'll share with you what I have. So I was a little familiar kind of with the plight of a food allergy parent and just the need for more resources. Um, and also I was fortunate that I had people to lean on as I <laughs> went through that process because it's social support is so important. And I try to pay that forward. Um, when I've had friends, you know, it's like, it's like the stages of grief, but it's like the stages of a food allergy. <laughs> totally get it. I'm it's sure. Yeah. 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 So that is a big thing that when I work with, um, with clients that I try to address that and incorporating that if, if someone has like a fear that I can tell they're it's a, it's a big struggle for them to say it out loud and to admit it because they feel like they're, you know, they're failing at this thing that is a super hard <laughs> challenge mm-hmm. to be facing. And so I try to try to bring in that social support as much as I can. Like you are not alone um, in, in this process. So, um, but I, so I, my, with my first and everything, I did do some diabetes. And so that has played a huge role as far as um, how I approach my food allergy education um, kind of with like the tiers of like, what, what's the survival knowledge? Like, what do you need to know right now? Um, and then like, what do you need to kind of like live with this? And then what do you need as far as like to live confidently? So that's kind of been my, um, as a, as a dietitian. So, um, as far as like survival skills, talking about like, do you have an EpiPen? Yes, <laughs> um, true. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people don't immediately get a prescription right away. Um, and then a lot of people who do have uh, FAIR, which is Food Allergy Research and Education, is just a fantastic organization. And so I'm always like, here's a link with like all the different type of auto injectors find the one that you have and watch this video. <laughs> Learn how to do it, please. <laughs> right, right. So just, just walking everyone through the basics that, you know, um, you would expect that people know, but unfortunately they just, everything has been so chaotic. Usually, you know, it's just, it's something that's fallen through the cracks. Um, we talk about label reading, which is, a whole nother ball game, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the top, with the, it's soon to be top nine allergies officially in Jan- January one, I think, um, sesame is being added to that list. So, um, oh. right, right. So right now, a lot of companies are voluntary, just they're already incorporating sesame on their labeling. Um, but just making sure people understand the differences, um, that allergens can be listed both in the ingredient list, but then also um, in a contained statement. And so some people, I mean, I've talked to dietitians that, well, I thought it was just the contained statement. And so if they didn't have a contained statement, I didn't think it had an athlete. So, I mean, it's so confusing that. Yes. And then you throw in like the precautionary labeling and <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a lot to work through. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I, you know, working in retail, like we get the food allergy questions and it, it like when you absolutely have a food allergy, like I know that people come in and they're like, oh, well, I'm allergic to gluten and they're really not like mm-hmm. there's all that. But when you have an actual allergy, it is a lot to really wrap your head around. Like you said, I love how you do like, this is what you need to do right now. Like right. this is, and then kind of taking it of like calming them down, getting them focused and then extending the education as they get into it a little bit further, right. much right. more realistic. Cause yeah, they think they're going to die. They could right. be like, I have this allergy. I can't eat. I don't want to die. And that's right. their instinct. Right. And it's, it's so hard to like, well, one, it's so hard to admit that out loud, but like I've been in that position and I felt that self, like, like I felt that myself. I know I need to feed my child, but I don't know what to feed him. That's not going to cause a reaction. And it's, it's a struggle. And it, it, there is a, um, a big amount of just anxiety that needs to be addressed with food allergy parents. Like it's normal. You're going to feel it. And there's resources out there to work through it. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with the idea for your book? So share a little bit more about your book. (laughs) All right. So just a little bit of background. Um, So I I obviously have three kids. Um, My oldest two were when, so my youngest was six months when he had his food allergy reaction. The others were two and a half and four years old. And they were with us at the table when it happened. So um, that's always been at the forefront of my mind is, in addition to navigating all the food allergy stuff with my youngest is how do I help my older two walk through this experience as well? You know, just because it, it does affect them in ways that, especially as an adult, we may not fully understand whether it be on like the level of je- jealousy, like why is he getting the attention or why is he getting this special treat or, or whether it be, you know, the, the, the fear of going, you know, seeing your, your sibling have that allergic reaction, or there's so many different ways that a child can be affected. Um, so the book itself came about when um, I was looking for a children's book that helped siblings without food allergies deal with situations when they have a food allergy um, sibling, um, specifically because we had tickets to go to a baseball game. But then we found out that there were peanut shells all over. And so my husband and I decided that just wasn't a safe environment for our like one-year-old son that's like moving all over and putting everything in his mouth. So mm-hmm. we had to cancel that. And he's like, well, you know, I just, I wish I had some resource to help them walk through this experience so that they don't feel like it's their fault or, you know, become resentful towards their brother. So couldn't find anything. And then... A few days later, the words just kind of came to me. And, and I will say in part because of all the children's books I've read in the past five years. <laughs> you probably read a few. <laughs> <laughs> the way to write it, like that came pretty naturally. And I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to say. And so I think I started writing it during nap time one day. And then after my kids woke up, I just kind of finished it. So the, the writing part took three hours. So that was the easiest piece because I had an idea of what I wanted to say. And then I blocked it out and then I just, I, I filled it in. So that was in the whole experience of doing this book, that was the easiest piece. <laughs> Isn't that funny? The writing part, which you, was you always did, you didn't like as much, you know, then you were like, I have to write an article. I'd write two. Now you're like, oh, the book was easy. (laughs) 
think in hindsight, it wasn't the writing that I disliked. It was the topics that I was being forced to write about. True. Yeah. 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 When you get to write about what you want to write about, it's a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of how I got to the idea for the book. Mm -hmm. And the title is? Be a food allergy helper. So great way to approach siblings that Mm -hmm. have a food allergy sibling themselves and how Mm -hmm. I love that. I think Mm -hmm. and you saw a need because you went out looking for it and you couldn't find it. Right, right. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like if I had this experience, I'm sure there's other parents who have the same experience or the same need. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, and I'm sure probably like having those conversations with your kiddos, with the older siblings to understand like you know there's this is going to be for lifelong thing like this isn't you know not that hopefully he doesn't always have such a severe allergy but Mm -hmm. it's always going to have to be in the back of our heads as we navigate as a family Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so my oldest who's almost six um he has read like we we've got a big collection of like children's books for food allergies and he's read all of them and he knows how to use the auto injector. He's done the trainer. So, I mean, that's, it's a really, it's a good talking point. Like books are a good talking point to then continue on the discussion about like what our family reality is and, and when we may need to use these tools and how do we use these tools and what happens. Oh, that's so neat. I love it. Mm-hmm. So outside of your, you know, in your business, do you see families from all over the world? Like, are you doing <laughs> virtual? Are you seeing just kind of people in the Midwest? Or what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so I am licensed in Iowa and Nebraska. And recently, I added Illinois. Um, I had a friend who started a private practice about the same time I did. And hers is just take off, taken off just crazy. She's in Illinois. Um, and so I also do contract work for her, um, specific with like food allergy, um, clients. So nice. yeah. Yeah. So there is a little bit wider area when I work with, um, with through that, through that business. But, um, my, my primary focus is in the Midwest and helping, um, you know, Midwest families find resources. That's awesome. What do you, what do you recommend for like a dietitian if they were going to say, Hey, Lisa, what would be the best resource for me to kind of get a good general idea about like that initial conversation before, before we refer them to you? (laughs) As far as like, like a resource, I I know you said fair, like, do you Mm -hmm. think that's probably the best kind of like online resource for us to kind of connect with if we do dabble a little bit with food allergies? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so fair does a lot of continuing education. Um, So in this year, 2022, they are offering, they've got a five webinar series on just like basics of food allergies and they do offer continuing ed credits to dietitians for free. So I would a hundred percent recommend any of the resources that they put out. Um, for anyone that's interested in like even more about food allergies, they do a, um, a certificate of training program for, I believe it's just pediatric food allergies, but, um, Mm. my hope and my goal is to do that this fall. Um, but yeah, so they've got a very intensive program as well. Ooh, you'll be perfect for that. (laughs) 
just fit that in when you have time. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's, that's the hardest part with everything is I am great at generating ideas, but I am not so good at being realistic with my time constraints right yeah. now. <laughs> yes. You have a lot going on for sure. Well, and I think that too, like your resource, your book is a great resource, even for us dietitians or any dietitians that, you know, maybe do have that family come in and they do have siblings and Mm -hmm. definitely we'll put all of that in the show notes so people can get that book if they feel like it would be awesome for their practice. Oh, awesome. That would be great. Yes. Well, I'm excited. I mean, I know you have a new business, a newer business, but I hope that people are (laughs) tapping into your education and your personal experience and your expertise. Yeah. And I just, I just, I, I, I have been there myself and I just, my hope is that no one else has to struggle. I mean, cause yes, you can struggle along and you can figure it out. There's lots of information online, but you could also see a dietitian that specializes in food allergies and get all that information a lot quicker. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. Like we can spend hours on the internet and then mm-hmm. if we can just go directly to someone like you mm-hmm. that will just take all of that information and put it in that personalized session, that's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and a, a big piece of, of when I work with families is you, food allergies are not an individualized thing. Um, you know, you have someone in your household with a food allergy, that's going to change the way how everyone eats. Um, and it's going to affect like the meal strategy and approach for everyone. So that's a big piece of what I like to incorporate too, is like, how do we, you know, find a solution so that you know, parents aren't making like two or three or four different meals yes. every night. How can we navigate this and and also keep other family members safe? Yes. One of the things that I learned um, is so obviously with the with the peanut allergy, the knee-jerk reactions like, well, we're gonna be a peanut-free house, which you know, if that for families that choose that decision, that's perfectly fine. But we had a child who was under three, and so from like a like a research standpoint, under three, you remove exposure to common food allergens while you're increasing that child's risk for them developing a food allergen. So then we had to reverse that knee-jerk reaction. And how do we feed our, our little kids peanuts safely so that they don't <laughs> you know, have a yeah. reaction outside the home when they're exposed to it? And it's just, it's a lot to navigate. Well, and you're right. Like, again, you don't want to increase risk for other allergies and you don't want to have, you don't want to be cooking three different meals. And that's just, and it's not realistic. So you do have to have the strategies to do that. Right. Oh, bless, bless you for taking this on my dear. Cause it's a lot. I mean, that is a lot, but I, I get where the place that you're coming from. And I love how you've channeled this whole crazy thing in your own personal life into this awesome business idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy looking back on all my experiences and it's, because for so long, I was just like, I don't feel like this is the right thing for me, but I don't know what is next. Um, but you look at all the different pieces, like the clinical work, the the business side of things, um, even my journalism experience, like all of that has played a role in either starting the business or writing the book or doing PR for the book. Um, it's it's just crazy what this unique skill set I've managed to put together and then utilize. So that's it's nice looking at things from this side. <laughs> I bet. I bet it is. 
<laughs> well, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Are you ready for my hard questions? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I always ask that because everybody's like, they are kind of the hard question. Um, why don't you share with me some foods that you enjoy? Oh my gosh. So this, this is a hard one as a food allergy mom, because some of my favorite foods involved peanut butter. I was going to say, I bet they did. Yes. So now whenever it doesn't happen very often, but there'll be occasions where I'm just like, I'm away from the kids for like half the day or, you know, once in a blue moon overnight. And so it's like, how can I eat all the peanut butter things? (laughs) I bet you do. (laughs) Um, but okay. So as far as like in my day to day life, what are my favorite foods? Um, so we just got an ice cream maker because, you know, ice cream Mm -hmm. is also hard to do with peanut allergies. Um, so we've been really into that and trying different ice cream flavors. So that would be, that would be one of my favorites. That's fun. I bet the kids like that too. (laughs) Oh yes. They have gotten really good at coming up with things. But it's all color based. Oh, sure. can we make it blue? Can we make yes. it green? <laughs> so the first, the first flavor we did, um, my two year old loves the color green, and so he saw a picture of like mint chocolate chip ice cream. So he's like, "Oh, I want to do that." And so we made it, and then nobody liked it. Oh no! <laughs> Was it too like spicy? I've heard it's too spicy for kids. Like they don't like the mint flavor. It could be, and we actually used fresh mint. So I think I think that was partially it because I don't think they've ever had mint. Yeah, probably not. Before, so <laughs> that was that was a bit frustrating. <laughs> You're like, but it looks cool. <laughs> right. It's green. It's green. <laughs> uh, what about beverages you enjoy? Uh, coffee. Definitely coffee. coffee. Mm-hmm. Runs on coffee. Lisa yes. runs on coffee. Yes. <laughs> and so I did not drink coffee until my maternity leave for my first child. <laughs> wow. Well, that makes sense. You know, like you just needed a little extra oomph. <laughs> yes. Yep. So now I, yep. Now I am full on embracing the coffee. <laughs> what about scents or smells you enjoy? Hmm. That's a hard one. I've never really had a good sense of smell. And I think like all the poopy diapers I've been exposed to have just. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Probably. You could probably like sniff that. out peanut butter pretty well, though, I bet. Yeah. I bet you can sniff that out like, no, but like, ooh, I smell peanuts. <laughs> oh, I'm the person that's always like, do I have COVID? Because I can't smell oh. what other people are smelling. And nope, that's just me. <laughs> so you're just like, I just hope it smells good because I can't really right. tell. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave that one as just not a big sense of smell person, like just no smelling. <laughs> Uh, what about, what is something about you that not a lot of people know? Oh boy, that's a hard one. Oh man. I know that it's a hard one. Cause you feel like you just poured your heart out and you right. just told everything. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So I think it would have been in second grade. I actually wrote a play and had my classmates perform. <laughs> that's amazing. It's amazing. They did it. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. I know. You were writing plays. I you, know. You've been writing your whole life. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. What was the name? Do you remember the, like the theme of the play? I have no idea. And it was like very much something about like a second grader lives. Like it was nothing like, I don't know. I profound. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> The little, the little director wrote a play and said, okay, now you guys do this. Right. Yep. That sounds about like second grade me. <laughs> I like it. And what brings you joy in life, Lisa? Oh, gosh. Um, so obviously my kids and my husband and my family, um, that's a big thing. But I've learned um, in the past couple of years that I am very much a people person and I need to be connecting with people. Um, whether it be like on the phone or in person, but I just, I can't be closed off. <laughs> you can't be COVID closed off, right? Right, right. Like I really need to be connecting with people either on a professional or personal level to find, you know, joy and satisfaction in my life. That's a good thing to realize too. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't, until you get put into a situation where you have to realize it, then it's like, I don't know if I ever would have realized that. So right. Yeah. Well, now you're creating this whole new network of people that you'll connect with, which will yeah. be so exciting. Yeah. And that's, that's been really fun too. I feel like since I've started my whole, my own business and like gone into the whole entrepreneur community, there's just this whole like next level of support that I never expected. And it's, it's been really great. And, um, it's nice returning, you know, the support when I, when I get the opportunities. Well, I hope anyone listening who, you know, maybe is interested in me in doing this type of work as a dietitian or just maybe has questions for you. I hope they reach out. I hope yes. they buy your book because yes. it's awesome. <laughs> I read it and it's super awesome. I know I will. If I have anyone, I will definitely recommend it for sure. So thanks for doing all of this and putting this all out into the world. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I have to say, I think that not that we don't love when life happens. Sometimes we really love when life happens. Sometimes we don't. And obviously for Lisa, being a food allergy parent really you know, changed everything for her and her family. And I think that as dietitians, we might think we're going one direction, but then things happen and we go a different direction. And that's what's great about our profession too. We can have all those opportunities and all those options. I think Lisa is someone that I know that I would reach out to because I don't have as much expertise in the food allergy arena. And I think that that is great that there's more dietitians who, you know, have had these personal experiences and they are now sharing their knowledge with others, but then also with us as professionals. I, her book is absolutely amazing. I think that if you are a dietitian that could utilize this in your practice, with even your clients, definitely give it a purchase and recommend it to your patients. Uh, Those links are in the show notes, so make sure to go there and purchase your own. And I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation with Lisa. I'd love to go into the weeds with her at some time, so maybe we will do that in the future. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.